I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Thinking Sideways is not brought to you by the Tupac is definitely dead, so stop looking for him foundation. Instead, it's brought to you by CrimeCon 2017. We're going to be there. It's Friday, June 9th through Sunday, June 11th, 2017, obviously, at the Marriott in Indianapolis, Indiana, USA. Uh, there's going to be a lot of great guests, some really unique experiences. There's apparently going to be canine search dogs. So finally, we'll get to understand what exactly they do. If you use the code sideways 20, you'll get 20% off your purchase. And there are some deals, you know, it gets more expensive the closer you get. So buy your tickets now. No, seriously, buy your tickets now. Um, and then we'll be there and we'll get to meet you. So sideways 20 at crimecon2017.com. Uh, you can find links to that on our website as well. Just wanted to remind you, CrimeCon 2017. Woo! Thinking sideways. I don't get it. Abroad the aliens. You must unlearn what you have learned. I don't know. Stories of things we simply don't know the answer to. Hi there, and welcome to another episode of Thinking Sideways, I'm your host for this week, Joe, joined as usual by... Devin. And... Steve. And uh, the team this week, uh, we're going to tackle another really awesome mystery. Uh, first off, I'd like to thank Sean, who suggested this like two years ago at least. So thanks, Sean. Appreciate it. Uh, kind of an interesting little story here. It mm-hmm. is. It's fun. Agreed. Yeah, it began... Like murder um, is fun. Oh, murder is always fun. Our listeners definitely think murder is fun, so... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just picked up a book about uh, the Victorians and murder and the evolution of the murder mystery. And the author, I think, sums it up very nicely, is that people really love murder, and this 
author of this book. It's called The Invention of Murder, and she describes it quite well. It's that people really love murder. It's like listening to a, a, a big rainstorm when you're inside your house and the heater's on, you're warm and snug and dry. Mm-hmm. That's what it's like. Murder's great when mm-hmm. it's happening to somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's really kind of true. I, I saw that book on your table, and that thing will hold your door open. It's mm-hmm. a huge book. It's a big old book. It got a lot of great blurbs. There we go. Uh, yeah, so That's must, a sign of success. It must be good. I'm only about five pages in so far, so <laughs> we'll see. Uh, back to our thing, though. Uh, so our murder mystery began on Valentine's Day, 1945. That would be February 14th. And it happened in the village of Lower Quinton in Warwickshire, England. Lower Quinton is about six miles south of Stratford-upon-Avon, uh, which we will all know is the birthplace of the Sex Pistols. Uh, it's of the course. only thing. Yeah, that's yep. all it's known for. Yep. Yeah, I, this is this might be the closest I've been to one of our European mysteries, actually. I was in Stratford-upon-Avon once. I've also been there as well. Yeah, so about yeah. six miles away from, from the murder. I probably drove by it. You probably did, yeah. Uh, it's kind of in the middle of everything, so it's e- very easy to drive yep. through there. Uh, nice little place. I like Stratford. Uh, I think that's where I saw my first European McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. But it was tastefully done. They did a good job. Oh, thank it, God for that. Yeah. Now that, now that we've got that out of the way. Yeah, they, they did a good job of incorporating it into the local architecture. Uh, oh, back to Clinton, or Quentin. Uh, the Lower Quentin uh, is a tiny, tiny village of 493 people uh, at the time. Of course, it's a little bigger today. And it, it was as the scene of a murder, and actually it was a pretty horrific murder. You guys have read about this. It was mm-hmm. pretty nasty, yeah. pretty yeah. brutal. Uh, on February 14th, 1945. And as if the murder wasn't bad enough, soon there were allegations and rumors of supernatural activities and witchcraft that began circulating around town and coming to the attention of the police and the press. And the case became known as the witchcraft murder. So that's what we're talking about this week. Yeah, Mm. the witchcraft murder. Uh, Pretty well known in Britain, I think. Yeah, Yeah. they've been running with it for a while. Uh, Yeah, yeah, they have been. Uh, and it's, yeah, uh, Scotland Yard actually did a very extensive investigation of this murder because originally the, the local constable called the Stratford police to come and investigate. And they felt like they were in a little bit over their heads. So they called in Scotland Yard to investigate this and, uh, and guess who shows up, but Robert Fabian, famed detective, uh, they did a TV show about him called Fabian of the Yard. I think Which it was, was two years is what uh, that ran something in like 63, that. 64, nah, something in the like 50s, that. Actually, or 50, like, no, 53, 54. 54, 56 or something so like that. So during his tenure as a detective still. I think that might have been after he retired and he started writing books about his, his, his war Not stories. too much longer though, yeah. No, not, not much no. longer. I'm sure he was still alive. And so they, that wasn't one of the earliest TV shows on the BBC. Yeah, As Joe would say, he parlayed his career at Scotland Yard into a lucrative career as an author and then turning mm. that into this TV series. That's uh-huh. my plan with this podcast actually oh really yeah, yeah probably i'm gonna give it about another year and then i'm gonna cut and run and just like turn it into some nancy grace-esque <laughs> career yeah i i'm gonna You're steal the domain from us and all the passwords yeah and... yeah no i'm gonna start writing novels about it like you know like say db cooper gets wind of the fact that i'm hot on his trail and he decides to murder us all you know mm. so that would be kind of a good hardy boys-esque kind of mystery it would. yeah there we go. so uh, I'll probably never get around to it, actually, but no, it would be fun. But back to our mystery here. Um, so Fabian was called in. Yeah, Robert Fabian was called in. Uh, much investigating was done, and and they came up with basically nothing. Uh, and it didn't really help that none of the people of Laura Quinton were actually willing to admit knowing anything about the murder. 
Uh, and I think that this episode, the, the whole thing about uh, Laura Quentin and the witchcraft mergers, I think it became a basis for a theme that we've seen in movies and TV shows, et cetera, which is the tiny town with the dark, dark secret. Mm -hmm. You know the one I'm talking about? I do. You know, yeah. and the protagonist, like, you know, gets some guy up in the corner who's about to tell the truth, and then somebody else shouts him down and says, shut the hell up! <laughs> shut your bloody gob! Mm -hmm. Shut your pile! <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah we've Absolutely. all seen that. And yeah. I think that might have originated here, mm. the big wall of silence. I Which is... Um, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I just can't imagine that this is the first time that's ever happened, but uh -huh. maybe, yeah. Probably not. But yeah, it didn't start out with Ken McElroy. It actually happened earlier than Ken, yeah. believe it or not. Realistically, yeah. like I said, I bet it happened before 45. Uh, it could have been. And and I know we're going to bring it up, but the press really got a hold of this, the oh, British yeah. press. And so there's a lot of stuff in here that is kind of fun to unpack and see where the truth really lies. Yeah. And part of that, the villagers wouldn't talk, I feel, is in there. Good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think we're getting a little little ahead of ourselves here. Yeah, we should let's, probably let's start with the, our victim and, and work our way through the Yeah, I guess story. we haven't even said who died yet. I know, I know. Let's, let's talk about that. Okay. Charles Walton, a.k.a. Charlie, uh, was born in Lower Quentin in 1870. And lived Did he have a propensity life. for biting fingers? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. Was that a cultural reference I'm not getting? Yeah. I figured as much. Yeah, so I've got his biography here. I've, I've jotted it down. It's, I've condensed it to about 10 pages. So settle in. This is going to be about three hours. Okay. Uh, no, just kidding. Uh, there was a period in Charlie's adolescence when he went off to a boarding school called Warthogs or something like that. <laughs> Um, was that for witches and wizards and they went through um, train station nine and three quarters? Uh, nobody really knows. Uh, okay. But yeah, uh, and after his return to Lower Quentin, Charlie lived a fairly normal life working as a farm laborer. Uh, he was reported to have a gift for animals. In his youth, he was a good horse trainer. And it was said that birds would flock to him and eat out of his hand. So he was a Disney princess. Apparently. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, he could tame wild dogs with a few words. Disney princess. Got yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, and, he, and although he wasn't an unfriendly guy and he was generally well regarded by the villagers, he kind of kept to himself. And when he was seen at the local pub, he was usually sitting in a corner by himself, sipping on an ale and puffing on his pipe with his perfectly normal red glowing coals where his eyes should have been. Uh -huh. You inserted that. Yeah. Okay, the the coal part, I mean. I'm lying. It's hard to know with uh, Charlie's bio exactly where the, 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 the life ends and the fiction begins. I could um, I could guess by the things that he was dealing with in life that he might have been a little standoffish, uh -huh. just because of the things that he went through, which I know we're going to talk about here shortly. But I don't think that he was some crazy loner. No, no, I, I think he was sociable enough, but he just he just wasn't the kind of guy that actually got out and hung out in the pub a lot. Right. For one thing, he wasn't that wealthy. He probably didn't have a lot of money to spread around, so he probably didn't go down there and waste a lot of money on, on Guinness and stuff. But he was generally, like I said, pretty well regarded uh, by the villagers. Charlie lived in a rented cottage in Lower Quinton with his wife, uh, and then when his sister died, uh, they adopted her daughter Edith, who was also known as Edie. And that was, she was at the age of three right then. And then in 1927, Charlie's wife died, and, and he and Edith continued to live on in the same cottage, and they lived there for years up until he died. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, and by the way, Edith's dad apparently was still alive. Apparently, he, he was not interested in raising her, so that's why Charlie and his wife adopted Edith. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Nice of them, I thought. Yeah. 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 Stepped up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and also, as I mentioned, the year was 1945. Uh, which is most of you probably know that was when the war in Europe was which winding war? down. World War II. Okay. That's what it yeah. said in all the newsreels. Yeah. 
Yeah, the other great war. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the next great war. Uh, yeah, it and, wasn't that great. It was no, big, but it wasn't great. Uh, it was great for some people, but it really sucked for most people. Most people, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah big time. Uh, but VE Day, which is victory in Europe, uh, that was just a few months away. Uh, the Allies were doing really well. They were winning all over the place, and the war was pretty much a done deal. Everybody seemed to agree. Germany had not yet surrendered, but it was just a matter of time. And at that time, there were some Italian POWs who were being held at a prison camp nearby called Long Marston. The Long Marston I was able to find, they, they keep talking about it when I hear about it, is Long Marston was nearby. Hmm. The only one I can find in Google is like 50 miles away. Like to the southeast, but there must, but uh, you know, there could have been another Long Marston that was closer. Or fifty miles isn't that far away. That's true. It isn't really because there's, you know, automobiles are everywhere. That's true, and yeah, and so you know, it could have been. But uh, and the only reason I'm mentioning the Italian POWs is because they actually do play a small part in this mystery, Mm -hmm. as you guys probably know. Yep. Yeah, they do. Uh, because they're foreigners, and hey, there's murder. Obviously, you look at the foreigners first, right? That's the way it was, yeah. (laughs) It kind of is. And so anyway, at this point, I probably really offended our Italian listener, uh, Luigi. I'm very sorry. I'm just kidding, guys. (laughs) Um, The Italians didn't do it, actually, I'm pretty sure. They were prisoners, but they were actually being held under pretty relaxed conditions, and they could actually leave and come and go as they please. And actually, on the day of the murder... Some of the POWs uh, went into Stratford to watch a Shakespeare play, and some other ones went to see a movie. That's how relaxed it was. I mean, if you were going to be a POW in World War II, you wanted to be these guys. Did you do any reading on the, the camps in Britain at that time? Mm, not really. So I, did a, I didn't do a huge amount, but I did. I was just kind of curious about how they were run because this whole they were free to kind of come and go thing struck me a little strange. And this isn't the first time we've talked about this, I'm pretty sure. But what I found is that the Italians were being brought into Britain from about 1940 or 41 forward, and they had pretty lax rules, and they were pretty willing to go ahead and be laborers for the community. That's kind of how they were, that was their job while they were in the area, so they were doing farm labor. Uh-huh. So they were, they, most of them seemed to be okay with it. They were probably happy as hell to be out of the war. Well, yeah, and that's the thing, oh. is that there was sent, there's stuff that you find where there's some who are, st- uh, they'll see on the wall still written, Viva Mussolini, mm. and, but most of the guys are like, we don't know who wrote that. No, we're, we're totally happy, it's really nice here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's funny is that the tone from camp to camp changed, I found in the reading, from about 1943 forward, because the camps that German soldiers were sent to suddenly had a much stronger security on them. And I'm sure that that is because the Italians were just these kind of nice guys, but the Germans are demonic and we've, we can't let them loose. They'll kill the women and children kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm yeah. sure that this, uh, this, what is this camp name again? Long Marston. Yeah, Long Marston. I'm sure that it was probably one of the ones that didn't have any German PO or many German POWs. Probably. And therefore... They were going out working in the area on farms, and that's how the system kind of got a little, a little loose. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy what happens when you start thinking about the fact that soldiers are just like human beings, by and large, like young men a who lot of, yeah, probably are totally cool dudes who just happen to be fighting for the country they happen to be born in and like don't really have any kind of serious 
thing against the people they were fighting against. You know so. that some of those POWs, it, it, the Italians, were, there was some rule, I want to say it's through the Geneva Convention, but it's probably not, but there was some rule where it became a thing that Italian men, their wives, could emigrate over and live with them in the POW camp so that the family wasn't separated. Wow. That was an okay thing. It, it was common enough that you find it in the writings. It's not as if it was a weirdo one or two off thing. Yeah. Again, according to, you know, compared to the experiences of most other POWs, you know, this it was is pretty, pretty good. sweet. That were on the, yeah. uh, being yeah. held by the Axis? Yeah. yeah. It should yeah. probably be noted too that at that time 1945 i mean i think mussolini was deposed but yes. uh, in 1943 he eventually was was rescued by the germans and they reconstituted a sort of mini fascist republic in northern italy when the germans invaded and took over that part of it and and there was an anti-fascist you know anti-mussolini uh faction in the southern part so italy was in the, the middle of the civil war at this time yeah. and- it might have been that that all of these guys if not most of them actually felt no loyalty at all to Mussolini at this point in time. Well, and I'll just point out that as, as far as I know, as far as you know, there was no huge like crime wave that came of these POWs no, being in all. that area. So we can pretty much discount, though we're not in theories, the Italian yeah, I think so. Well, you never know. I mean, this. there could be outliers in there, but yeah. True. Well, in any so population, do, yeah. Yeah. Do we want to keep talking about Charlie? No, or? no. That's, let's talk more about Charlie and off about the Italians yeah. for a while. Uh, let's talk about Charlie. He, at this time, was working. Uh, he was. He didn't have a farm of his own. He was a laborer, but he worked at various farms in the area. And at this time, he had been working at a local farm called The Furs, and he'd been there about nine months. And his job that day was to clear hedges. So, as you know, in Britain, they've got those hedgerows that sort of separate fields and separate roads from fields and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And, of course, with hedges, you know, you want them to grow up, not out, but they... Being hedges, they want to grow out, so you got to... Hedges you, just don't cooperate. No, you got to whack them back, and so that's what he was doing. Uh, he left his house uh, around 9 a.m., and by the way, his house is still there. You can see pictures of it on the World Wide Web. Who is it? It is still there, yeah. I, I must not have even just made the connection when I saw the picture. Okay. Yeah, I know, it's still there. Uh, he had, it was like a like three interconnected cottages that uh, eventually uh, somebody bought and combined them into one nice big house. But, got it. But apparently it's still So the there. structure is still yeah. intact. Got it. Okay. Yeah, it's cool. Well, nobody got murdered there. They got murdered somewhere else, thank God. So he headed up uh, on the furs. There was this thing called Mayon Hill. Uh, although I might be mispronouncing that. It might be Mayon, but uh, I think it's Mayon. And so he started clearing hedge. And this uh, is at 9 o'clock in the morning on nine in the Valentine's morning. Day. Apparently he was seen walking that direction about now between 9 and 9.30. Um, and uh, he was carrying his walking stick because he had arthritis. He, he, was, was, he was like 75, 76? He was 74. He was 74? 70, he was born in 1870, so he was 74 and still working in the fields. This is 1945? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So his birthday was in May of mm. 1870, so this was February, so yeah, he hadn't okay. quite turned 75 yet. Okay, there you go, yeah. But, yeah. So he had his walking stick? Yeah, got his walking stick because he had Artie, and uh, he also had him with him. At, had what? Artie. Artie. He just abbreviated arthritis. arthritis. You don't, don't, don't be abbreviating <laughs> arthritis like okay. that. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else he had. He had a pitchfork and he had a slash hook, uh, which were his tools of the trade. Uh, and I know you all know what a pitchfork is. If you don't, hold your hand up in front of you with your fingers extended. 
Now rotate your hand ninety degrees so, towards wait, your face. So wait, is is it a two or three prong pitchfork? I never, I never. <sighs> that saw the is the question. I mean, most of the ones you see are like are like four prong ones. I, I saw one on the BBC that was actually a two prong pitchfork. That's why I'm asking. Yeah, I think I believe, the older ones were two prong. I believe it was a two prong. Okay. Yeah. Again, hard to say, but I think it was. Uh, as far as a slash hook goes, uh, I've seen pictures of slash hooks, and they're all they come in all different styles. Uh, a lot of them are sort of shaped like a sickle, like a curved sickle with a long handle on them. Kind of a curved mm-hmm. knife on one edge and yeah. a straight edge on the other. Yeah, kind of like that. So They're kind of shaped almost like a cowboy boot. Yeah, and kind of yeah, kind of kind of a nice little um, thing for clearing brush. No, I I know. Okay, you looked at me funny. I it was just not a way I would have thought to describe it, but it's pretty good. Okay, yeah, cowboy yeah. boot, or it looks like Italy. If or you, Italy. If you, if you grabbed Europe and turned That's it upside down. Viva Italia. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so yeah, they say that you know that it, that Italy totally looks like a slash hook, yeah, and, <laughs> and they're totally right. Yeah, yeah, and uh, of course the slash hook, besides being a great brush clearing tool, would be a great murder weapon. Apparently, yeah, it really would be. And actually, when you think about it, the walking stick that he was carrying, and also the pitchfork, wouldn't be such bad murder weapons either. Yeah, true. Um, and as it happens, Charlie carried all the murder weapons to the place where he was killed. Because it appears that all of them were used on him. And that's, that's what I did. I say it was a brutal, horrific yeah. murder. Yeah. The last reports of him alive uh, were between about 12 noon and 12.30. And those were by Alfred J. Potter, who managed the furs. Again, that was the farm that Charlie was working on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that window isn't firm. Yeah. No, he changed his time quite a few times. Yeah. I was going to yeah. say, I, I saw it, it felt like it could have gone all the way out to one o'clock, possibly depending uh, on his version. So. Yeah. And so it's a little, uh, and Iffy. so, yeah, a little bit. Uh, well, I think one of the ways they sort of fixed it at 1 p.m. because it was believed, it was concluded later on that the murder probably happened between 1 and 2 p.m. on that day. And he said that he saw him at, at about 1230 and it appeared that he had X number of yards of hedge left to clear. Mm. at that time. Of course, he saw him from like 500 yards away. That's a long ways. But when they actually found his body, about four more yards of hedge had been cleared, and it was at Potter's estimate that it would take about half an hour to do that work. Mm. So, one o'clock. Uh, kind of works. And you said he had been working for Potter for how long? Uh, about nine months, although that's kind of actually that at this time, but he actually had been working for him on and off for about five years. Okay. Because, yeah, Potter had been managing this farm for about five years, and so he had you know, lots of experience with Charlie and some of the other local laborers. Apparently, he managed it for a company that was owned by his dad. So it's a family business. It's a family business, yeah. So, okay, so sometime around 1 to 2, the population of Lower Quinton dropped from 493 to 492. So that's not a surprise, I guess. And, we knew it was coming. Oh, yeah, we kind of did. Yeah, it's kind of to be expected when you hear the words, you know, witchcraft, murder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so Edith, you remember Edie, his yep. niece, mm-hmm. uh, she, she was working in a factory, and she got home about 6. And guess what? Charlie wasn't there. And because Charlie was pretty regular in his habits, uh, she became a little bit worried about him. So she uh, went and found her neighbor, a guy named Harry Beasley, and they went looking for Alfred Potter and uh, started looking on the farm for the body. And since Potter was the last guy to see him, and since Potter had a pretty good idea of where he was supposed to be working, 
they headed out there that direction and guess what they found him you i'm sorry i'm giggling to myself over here because you primed me to be thinking about harry potter uh-huh. and now you've yeah. got part potter and you've got harry beasley which is just kind of like that's a good point <laughs> ron weasley and yeah, harry yeah. potter and beasley, yeah, harry we're just and potter. Oh, i know that's sorry. a good point okay. yeah and this sorry. is where jk rowling got the idea Pretty sure oh, just yeah. changed the name yeah. totally. oh and 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 my my previous reference when he went off to warthog school to his adolescence okay i told Oh wait! It was Harry. Up. It was Harry J. Potter. So this is even closer. Mm. Oh, was it? Okay. So yeah, maybe this is where she got all the names for her little for her books. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, Side quest be. over. Sorry. Back yeah. to story. Sorry, oh yeah, sorry. back to our story. So they. Uh, it was of course it was six p.m. after six p.m. So it was dark. Uh, yeah. They, they took some torches. I, I presumably by torches they're talking flashlights and not. I not would the kind presume. I can see in Frankenstein movies with the angry villagers and the pitchforks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they found his body and uh uh he was all he was all beaten and he had been pinned to the ground with his pitchfork. The pitchfork was driven either around his neck or through his neck, depending on, on the version of the sea here. And so his body and then the, the pitchfork itself was had been sort of twisted forward and wedged into the heads that he was working on. Which is weird. Yeah, and then, well, they might have, whoever did it, might have wanted to expose his throat because his throat had been the, you remember I talked about the slash hook. That's true. It's a good yeah, point. Yeah, they, they found the slash hook buried in his throat. Mm. And they also found his walking stick nearby with, uh, you know, blood and hair on it because he'd been beaten with the walking stick also. So, Yeah. Whoever did this really, well, I don't know what to say about it. They had a good time, or, or else they were really angry about something. Yeah, I was going to say, they really the worked something out on it. Yeah. Yeah. It was the conclusion, actually, of the Scotland Yard chaps that it was a, there was a maniac on the loose. Hmm. Of course. Which is reasonable enough, I guess. It is kind of a maniac kind of murder. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, also, most creepy and ominous of all is a cross had been carved into Charlie's chest. Dun, dun, dun. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, he lost a lot of blood, most of his blood, which had drained into the soil. Yeah, there was a lot of blood there. Uh, so there was an investigation by Stratford police. Of course, they set the time of death, the forensic examiner did, between 1 and 2 p.m., and they noted that he was missing his pocket watch. He had a fairly cheap tin pocket watch that he carried with him all the time. It was gone, which maybe robbery is a murder motive, I don't know. And uh, Stratford, of course, as I mentioned earlier, they decided to call in Scotland Yard, and of course, Chief Inspector Fabian arrives. Um, that was two days after the murder. He, he, arrived. he arrived on the 16th, yeah. Of course, he uh, was all after it. They, they, besides interviewing everybody in town, and they did interview the entire village, they also called in an RAF plane that had an, an aerial camera on it, and they photographed the entire village, including the murder scene, just looking for any possible clues. So what I love about the whole RAF angle is there's some things that you see that say, and the pool of blood around him was so big it could be seen from several hundred feet above in the air. That's a little hard to believe. I've heard it, that one, too. Yeah. yeah. I, was, yeah I, I, I don't think that, uh, I think the blood would soak into the ground before it would spread big enough to be seen from yes. hundreds of feet in the air. I would agree with this. Yeah. I Unless, so. you know, extreme drought. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. I guess. Yeah. Maybe. But, yeah, it was mid-February, White so I'm ground. kind of doubting that. And it's, you know, yeah. England, so. No. Yeah. <laughs> really doubting that. Uh, kind of, yeah. What else? They had a call. They had a ground search. Uh, local police, and I think they were assisted by military in this. And the military came in with metal detectors and everything because they were looking for the watch. 
Because yeah. that was their only lead. They didn't have much to go on here. And, yeah, the watch, well, maybe they were hoping possibly they could get a fingerprint or two off of it, but they never found it. Uh, there are reports that the watch was found, like, like 15 years later mm-hmm. when they were tearing down the outhouses uh, in, at, at the cottage where, they, where Edie and Charlie were living. Supposedly, they found the watch in the outhouse. Although, I've heard that that's also not entirely confirmed. But... Also, it feels like it'd be hard to confirm it was his. Mm-hmm. If it was a fairly generic, just tin... Run-of-the-mill... Watch. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who would have it monogrammed or anything like that. So... No, it, it actually had been monogrammed, but he had bought it used. So, it had somebody else's name in it. Mm. And so, it could have been positively identified as, as, as his. Yeah, because yeah. it did have another guy's name in it. But again, Charlie was not a rich guy. Not no. at all. Uh, the closest he came to wealth, which was not much, is when his wife died in 1927. She left him about 300 pounds. Yeah, just under. Yeah, yeah. about 297, and uh, which he put in the bank. And by the time of his death, I think it was down to about 11 pounds. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't uh, as if he was living lavish. Yeah. Oh, for, no, not at all. Um, no, because it was 1927. He'd lived on that almost 300 pounds for... Nearly 20 years. Well, yeah. yeah, I'm sure he just pulled it out for, you know, extra expenses, emergencies, oh, um, yeah. whatever. Yeah, or Christmas if Edie presents. needed something. Or, or yeah. work is slow, yeah. yeah. Yeah, something like oh, that. Oh, that's what a savings account is for. Totally, and but, but for the most part, I don't think he needed it. He worked all the time, and so he usually could support himself okay. Uh, now, quickly, uh, let's uh, a quick look at the autopsy. When they, when they examined him, they found that his trachea had been cut. That's, you know, Shocking. your windpipe. Yeah, yep. yeah, not surprising. Uh, he also had broken ribs and bruises on his chest, presumably from the walking stick, because uh, he had sustained blows to the head, which were matched to the walking stick. Uh, so the broken ribs and stuff could have also come from the walking stick or one of the other weapons. Or um, somebody just punching him. He's a 75-year-old yeah. man. He's, yeah. he's yeah, not, not as too. if he's got super Who's strong worked bones. his whole life. I mean, no. you know, not lived an easy life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, he's, he's, he was probably tougher than he looked. Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, he also had uh, some defensive wounds. He had a cut in his left hand. He had extensive bruising on his right arm and hand. And so he was obviously trying to fend off whoever was attacking him. Mm-hmm. He didn't quite succeed. And also his shirt had been opened and his fly had been unbuttoned. Mm-hmm. Makes no sense. Okay. No, not really. Oh, no. his He was wearing pants that had a button fly. Yeah. I've had pants that have come undone when I'm working. Uh-huh. You know, if you're twisting and turning, I could maybe see that. Mm-hmm. Shirt, I can maybe see if he was hot. He's mm-hmm. sweaty from working. He's so. working. Yeah, I mean, he could have unbuttoned his shirt. It might, it might be he didn't even button it to begin with when he left that day. Well, um, I thought it was a cool day. Mm, it wasn't as if, was. I mean, it was January or February. But so. he was also wearing a jacket when he was found. And so, was he? Yeah. It's hard to cut across in someone's chest when their shirt is buttoned. I'll just say. Mm. True. It's a good point. Yeah, button the button. About yeah. that. And to the unbuttoned pants, I guess, is it not possible that his attacker came upon him when he was... Urinating? Yeah. Well, I was about to suggest that. I know that uh, when I choose to jump somebody and murder them, I usually wait till they're at their most vulnerable. Yeah. yeah. And that is yeah. one of the most vulnerable <laughs> <laughs> a, states in that's life. A, that's a great time to do it, yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I, I know. I'm not exactly, you know, your, your great courageous warrior here. Mm. I admit it. I'll go for every advantage I can. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, the local police also clued Fabian of the Yard in on some other interesting local lore that they seem to feel might have some bearing on this case. Uh, and certainly um, it did have 
if it had no bearing on the case, it certainly influenced the public perception of it. Oh, I would say that's the only thing that it really did. Yeah, as far as whether this provided him with any sort of a roadmap to solve the killing, well, not really. But uh, the first thing is he clued him in on, um, that's Fabian, uh, clued him in on a murder that had happened in 1875, uh, which is like, what, 80 years before? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a ways before. 70 years, 80 years, I don't know. Uh, by uh, of a woman named Ann Tennant. Uh, although I seen in one account, I saw her name as Ann Turner, but everywhere else is Ann Tennant. So I think Tennant is the correct the correct name. We'll go with it. Yeah, she had been murdered under identical circumstances. In, in the words, same space. Nearby, but not not in the same field or anything like that. Mm. But she had been same been, area. Yeah, mm-hmm. pinned pinned to the ground with a pitchfork, and that her throat was slashed with the sign of the cross. Um, then she with was a killed, bill hook. Yeah, with a bill hook. She was killed by a guy named James named James Haywood. Uh, and he said that he did it because she was a witch and she was trying to save the village from this witch. He was trying to save the village he from was. her. Okay. Yeah. Did I say she? Yeah, yeah. but that's okay. Oh, that's okay. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, he was found guilty. That's James Haywood and he was hanged. That's because he there were people around. Well, there were neighbors there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he was he was intoxicated, if I remember correctly. He had, he had had some some alcoholic cider. Apparently. He had been drinking, and, and he uh, apparently was also considered slow witted. That uh, was what the locals called. Considered, it. yeah, considered mm-hmm. kind of, mm-hmm. yeah, not um, not all there. Not really, yeah. So that's the one story, and then there was another story, and this is taken out of a book by a guy named the Reverend James Harvey Bloom. In this book, he gave an account of of a young Charles Walton in 1885. And he tells, in the tale of, of this, uh, he, was, he, he was a young farm laborer, and uh, he was heading home one night, and he met a large sort of spectral black dog on the road, heading home. And then the next night, he met the dog again. And then on the third night, uh, he saw the dog yet again, but this time there was a headless woman walking with the dog. Ooh. And I know. So, uh, yeah, I know. So Charles didn't think anything of it at the time. Uh, well, just kidding. I'm sure he did. Uh, but then later that night when he got home, he found out that his sister had died. And also, oh, by the way, in another version of this that I've seen out there, he actually saw the dog nine nights in a row. Okay, I was just saying, I thought yeah. it was seven, but yeah, yeah. There, there's varying lengths. There here. are, yeah. Apparently, it turns out the black dog in local lore is a harbinger of death. Yeah. You see one of these scary, creepy black dogs, and that's yeah. not good news. The, yeah. yeah, in the UK, the the black dog is been around for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. Although what's funny is that most of the time it's an evil spirit. There are a few that are benevolent, if not helpful, which those are the ones that I want to see. Oh yeah. But no, the, there's, it's always the, it's always a black dog. Uh, yeah. Kind of, kind of tough on it. I'd say, say if you're a black lab, you know, you're just this friendly, friendly, happy black lab and everybody thinks you're evil. You go to, you, know? you go to run up to somebody and you say, hi, how you doing? How you doing? How you doing? I'm a good boy. I'm a good boy. Yeah. Bang, Wait, bang, bang. Oh, are we playing yeah. chase? Okay. I'll catch you. I'll catch you. I'll catch you. <laughs> yeah. Black labs are the best dogs. <laughs> they are cool dogs. Yeah. Uh, there is, even here in America, there's a little bit of a prejudice against black dogs. Yeah. Unfortunately. There really is. Not as much as black cats, but. No, that's true. Yeah. But yeah, it definitely is one. All right, well, we're going to talk about a few theories here. But first, uh, I hear a black dog scratching on my door. So let me take a quick break here and go answer that. It's pitch black. Open your eyes. This is a good start to your day. You're in bed, in your bedroom. It's a mess. 
It's a small bedroom with a faded rug and dirty walls. There's your robe, a screwdriver, and a toothbrush outside of your bed. You have to decide. Get out of bed? If you do, your friend Ford might take you on an unbelievable adventure. If you don't, well, you'll spend the whole day in bed. If the thought of getting out of bed to travel the universe seems unbearable, you might want to talk to somebody about that. Lucky for you, you don't even have to get out of bed with Talkspace. Talkspace is the online therapy company, and they make it easy to connect with a licensed therapist handpicked just for you for as little as $32 a week. Using Talkspace, you can text, audio, and video message with your therapist as much as you want. To sign up or learn more, go to Talkspace.com sideways. And as a special offer for our listeners, you can use coupon code sideways to get $30 off your first month and show your support of the show. That's sideways and Talkspace.com sideways. And don't forget your towel. And we're back. Yeah, it was okay, not a black dog. It was just my cat. All right, let's talk about some theories. All right, our first theory, uh, suicide. And we're talking about who, who and why he was killed, etc. in case you've forgotten our story. Uh, the murder of Charlie Walton, the witchcraft murder. Uh, so suicide. Uh, either one of you guys want to go to bat for the suicide theory? No. no. So is this your new M.O.? Yeah, put, a, put a funny kid absolutely not absolutely, theory yeah, in the suicide. very beginning of it? Suicide seems a little unlikely. He would have had to have been a very, very determined suicidal guy, I think. For, yeah, we've we've yeah. we've talked about the silliness of this kind of stuff before oh, yeah. for oh, this yeah. kind of story. No, no, we'll just rule that one right out, I think. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, it wasn't suicide. Obviously, probably not natural causes, probably not accidental. Mm-hmm. Um, so that leaves uh, kind of murder. Um, yeah. It kind of does. Let's start with some of the more uh, sensational and interesting ones first. There's one theory that was out there floating around quite a bit, which is that uh, Charlie was killed by a coven of witches as a sacrifice. Uh, to replenish the soil. And so the, 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 apparently the date actually has some significance. Apparently that date uh, under the old calendar, and I don't know which calendar that is, but that's what they say, the old calendar, that was considered Candlemas Day, and that was the day when you had a chance to influence the next growing season. And the best way to do that was to kill somebody blood sacrifice and yeah let their blood drain into the soil i'll just say i know you have some other stuff here Uh, but in my understanding of witches they are not typically super akin to like christian symbology symbolism which ash wednesday would be something of yeah or like you know the cross carved in the chest like Mm -hmm. usually it'd be like a pentagram or something more wicked according to the papers anyway yeah yeah i mean you would think more than just a cross Mm -hmm. which typically i think is a hindrance to witches isn't it or are there Um, christian witches is that am i missing something you know i mean well you know they might it might not have been a symbol a symbol of their own faith it might have been it might have been mocking his faith I mean, when you think about it, um, yeah. if, I mean, imagine this in this sense, you know, it's like, well, you know, hey, we just we just did whatever with the hell we pleased with you. Your God didn't do anything for you, did he? Ha ha. Yeah. And so that's one way of looking at the cross. That's true. Though in yeah. my, I guess for me, I think they're trying to make a sacrifice to their gods or their beliefs. So you would want to do as much to honor your beliefs as possible, mm. not degrade. 
degrade, not degrade the, the guy that you're that, doing that's good, good work. I, I'm on. I'm you know, I'm that, right behind her on that, that one. Is, that, that makes is a good more point. sense. Yeah, you would that say, "Oh, Almighty sense. God of the soil, here is this sacrifice to you, in which we carved your symbol." And for wow. all I know, the symbol is a cross. I, I don't know. Or the, I'm uh, not yeah, a yeah, witch. The symbol of Dobby is right <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah. 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 No, I I am assuming that the the cross is not the witch symbol. But I could I be mean, wrong. You know, I don't, I've never heard you be wrong before. That's true. Yeah, I've no, never so. before in my entire life ever been wrong. No, so. I, mean, I was once. Yeah. I thought I'd made a mistake. Turned out I hadn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, this would be a it. first. Yeah. It's no. true. Yeah. Uh, where were we? Uh, what are some so of the So this other... is a druid. So is so uh, kind of a druid I, ceremony. I was uh, gonna say because I see we're talking about witches and yet I see druids and I didn't know that those were so much interchangeable. Yeah, I I, I don't know either. I, I actually am not an expert on the druids and nobody uh, really is. Not really. Not, Very not, little remains of the known. druids' practices. So yeah, yeah, not much is known. Apparently, there was a, a what was thought by many to be. A druid ruin, which is a stone circle, which was at least in 1945 called the Whispering Knights. And that was uh, supposed to be close to the murder scene. Is that what exactly, it was? Exactly. Yeah. So that has some significance in people's minds that it was so close. And also, apparently, Warwickshire itself uh, was, and perhaps still even is, a hotbed of witchery. And then, of course, the druids apparently considered Ash Wednesday to be a significant day, the day to make the sacrifices to the earth. Although they didn't, it, to them it wasn't Ash Wednesday, obviously, because mm-hmm. yeah. they predated all the Ash Wednesday stuff, right? But I mean, the problem, of course, is that the this what, what was the it's the Whispering Nights, yeah, isn't actually close. No, it's like to the 12, scene. it's like twelve miles away. Yeah, you know? I mean, yeah. So I mean, that's close, I guess, when you think about it in the overall scheme of things. I mean, look how far the Earth is from the Sun. Yeah, I mean, true. But, but yeah, no, twelve miles is kind of a long ways. So, so are we going to talk about? The, um, the bunkiness of the cross? Yeah, the cross actually is not mentioned in the autopsy at all. Apparently the cross carved in the chest was sort of made up by somebody. Oh, boo. Yeah, I mean, big surprise. I mean, how often does that happen? This no. just goes to show you that, uh, you know, everybody, everybody thinks that all this crap about fake news all began with the Internet. I'm sorry <laughs> to tell you this, guys. <laughs> it, it happened ages ago. Oh, it's been happening forever, I think. Um, okay, is, is that all we've got but, on the, um, the whole con well, thing? Yeah, and so the, you know, the, yeah, so the con thing is like, well, okay, there was, he was nowhere, anywhere near some sort of Jewish circle. There was no cross. Um, and according to the experts, Wiccan experts that I've heard quoted about this, this particular thing, is he was actually too old for the, the sacrifice. Apparently you want young blood. Yeah, I mean, you would, right? Yeah, you want young blood. Yeah, isn't it always it's the young virgin uh-huh, is the, the perfect vessel for well, sacrifice? Well, they have the young energy that can replenish the energy of the soil, right? Uh-huh. You don't want old, used-up energy because then it's like, psh, whatever. You know, it's, it's, what's really interesting about that is that just very, very recently, medical researchers have found out that there really is such a thing as young and old blood. Uh-huh. Yeah. They have. Oh, I mean, yeah. That's true. They found that if you, if you take a transfusion from a, a 20-year-old guy and give it to an 80-year-old guy, it, the 80-year-old will have a significant health increase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which uh, also that sort of argues against like old people donating blood, mm-hmm. because if you got a guy who's like really having a hard time trying to recover from something, and you put an eighty-year-old's blood into him, it's like mm, that's maybe not such a great idea. Uh, well, I don't have... know if it's so much the uh, well. Uh, I mean, we're not, I'm not going down that. Better that than path. nothing, but it's not. The, it's not ideal. But anyway, uh, so young blood. So Charlie was not exactly possessing any young blood. So that's why, besides the fact that there's really nothing to support this anyway. 
Uh, it just didn't make sense from a whole Wiccan point of view. I to, agree. To, yeah, make him a sacrifice. But there was another possibility, uh, which is that he was murdered actually by the people of Lower Quinton because Charlie himself was a witch or a warlock. As the I case guess. may be. As, yeah. And there was some stuff. You know, remember I said he had this strange ability to communicate with animals, it seemed like. Uh, he was a great horse trainer, apparently. He also had the birds flocking around him and and could subdue wild dogs. And, and uh, he also apparently had some natterjack toads that he kept. And apparently these are strange little toads that don't really hip-hop like other toads do. They kind of run instead. Uh, that's Have you looked at these toads? Yeah. They're, they're wide. They're, they're wide body. So uh-huh. it's very hard for him to, to get a good jump going. Uh-huh. What, are, what are they called? Natterjack toads, N-A-T-T-E-R. So you know how a toad, usually their their body is, uh, the, the shape of it from their, their chest is kind of conical? Uh-huh. These things are more like a frisbee with eyes and legs. Oh, yeah, oh. They're so cute. They're <laughs> <laughs> just little derpy uh-huh. things. Oh, yeah, so that's why they don't jump very much because they can't. Uh-huh. They're so round and weird. <laughs> uh, yeah, Cute yeah. no, I, I, yeah. So he okay. kept some of those. He had some of those. Uh, so those were repeated. pets, or lived near his house. One yeah, of the two. Re- repeatedly, he actually kept them, and uh, apparently, he was. You could use a natterjack to to put a hex on your neighbor's crops. And what he did was he tied a toy, a small toy plow to one of the frogs, or one of the toads, I guess, and sent it scurrying off across people's fields, which caused their crops to fail. Uh, And as a matter of fact, there was a big failure in 1944 of the crop. And uh, it's rumored that the local townsfolk blamed Charlie for this. So you know what I, uh, I would do if I was a guy who was slowly working through my savings account and having a hard time continuing to to do my farm work, Uh but needed to still eat, and there happened to be an abundance of toads around, Mm -hmm. I would gather them up and keep them to eat them. Uh, yeah, oh. I would, uh, that's the thing. Is Charlie kind of had an interest in not seeing people's crops fail. I was going to say, he was a farmhand. His job depended on the crops being successful. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, and if, if he had a, but if he in some way encouraged these little toads to be around, I'm like, that's a food source, man. Probably. And let's yeah. not forget, this was this was still the tag end of World War II. So food was probably a little scarce. Rationing. Uh, there was some rationing Lots of rationing. On. And uh, so, yeah, those things probably made good food sources, mm-hmm. along with local rabbits and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, some of the stories, too, about Charlie, like he could have birds eating out of his hand and stuff like that, they seem to be a bit apocryphal. Yeah. Uh, and well, also I mean, doing wild dogs and stuff. You know, you know there's, there's people who are the, the dog whisperer. People who mm-hmm. can talk in a soothing tone and they're able to, to calm animals down and there are people who can do that. Yeah. The whole bird eating out of the hand thing. If he is going to the same place feeding the birds every day, yeah. it's like the old lady at the park with the pigeons. Uh-huh. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For you know? sure. So it's entirely possible that that's what he was doing. Yeah. yeah and, and it's these, oh, well, I used to see him. He always would feed the birds. They would eat out of his hand. And then, of course, our lovely newsie yeah. grabs that and throws uh-huh. it in the, the weekly rag. Yeah, and witch, there you go. Yeah, a little, little indication there of witchcraft. Yeah. Um, and uh, Inspector Fabian actually didn't talk about any of this witchcraft stuff in his in his police reports and uh and but later on he when he started writing books he and, and he started mentioning this stuff a little bit more 
But obviously, he had sort of an interest in selling books. Oh, yeah. So he, you know, sexing it up with a little bit, little talk of witchcraft probably was in his own interests. It seems so late to be doing the witchcraft thing. Like, 1945? Seriously? You're going to be like, ah, she's a witch. I... Well, he added that like five years later or something. I know, but that just seems so late. Like, the 1950s? Seriously? This is the thing you're still going to bring out and say, well, he was a witch, so... You know, we had to kill him. That's I, insane to me. Uh, there's still, there's I still... was going to say, I still know people who burn, uh, what is it, sage when you put it in the bundle and, you and you know, it's this. Okay, let's be fair. That's very different from killing someone because no, no, no. you think they're a witch. But there are people who still believe in, and I apologize if anybody doesn't like me saying this, but there are still people who believe in ghoulies and ghosties and all these other things that we can't see being real and trying to defend themselves. And weird stuff like that happens. It's it the happens, 1940s but... is not as cosmopolitan as I'm not you're, saying you're it's cosmopolitan. It. I'm just saying there's a huge difference between believing there's a ghost in your house and literally bludgeoning an old man to death and yeah. cutting a cross in his chest because you think he might be a witch. Britain has had 500 years of hunting I know. witches. You I don't just think, think it's, it's just a cultural norm. I at still that just point? think it's crazy, and I still think it's crazy that that somebody <laughs> would be like, oh, this is a good theory for why. Well, that's the thing about it. You is, know, is there might there might have been a few Looney Tuners in Lower Quentin who actually believed that sort of stuff, but the entire village, meh, probably seems like not. a bit of a stretch. The, the you know the other thing that I will, that this particular theory makes me think of is you had mentioned at one time the the whole nobody in the village would talk to, and, and yeah. say what they knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the wall, and it was the wall because, of silence. Yeah, and it was because yeah. of this they killed the warlock thing is yeah. is what you see in a lot of places. But I found mm-hmm. the best description somewhere, which was they told they had they would share nothing with him. Because they knew nothing and had nothing to share. None yeah. of them were there. Well, yeah. That was it. You know, that, that was <laughs> the whole thing. Hundreds is like, of people who weren't there. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, probably from the, the, the Scotland Yard's point of view, is like saying that nobody would talk to us. And well, people they interviewed everybody, and everybody said, "I don't have a clue." Yeah. You know? And so it probably. Or they told them the little bit they knew, which yeah. was unhelpful. For yeah. me, it's similar to if somebody came to one of us and said, "Hey, I want to talk to you about the Kyron Horman disappearance," and we'd be like, "I don't know," and they'd be like, "The Thinking Sideways crew is stonewalling us." Uh-huh. <laughs> so, totally. Yeah. It's the same thing to it me. Is. Where it's it like is. we live in the same city, but like what? <laughs> No, well, you don't, don't know help. anything, so what do you have to say? Yeah, I got to tell you, I'm ashamed to admit this, but I don't really know anything about Chiron. I mean, other than a few basic facts, I don't yeah. really, I yeah. haven't really followed Which is okay, because you're not involved in the case. Yep. No, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. If we ever choose to cover that, I might have a good source or two, but yeah, we'll put that. But anyway, uh, Charlie's niece, Edie, back to our story. Uh, I saw a BBC interview with her. It was a brief little interview, and, and I know Steve, you've seen it. This is the best. Oh yeah, it's great. It's uh, it's this this guy, this BBC journalist, is being very melodramatic, melodramatic about the whole thing, and he's actually out at the base of Mayon Hill, uh, in his trench coat and everything, with his long hair flowing in the breeze and stuff, and he's going like, it's more like puffing mm-hmm. around in the breeze. Yeah. It's not flowing at all. Yeah, and then he, then he, he talks to Edie and says, you know. Hey, what about all this? And what about all this witchcraft? And and she's like, oh, I don't know what is it. <laughs> just, you can't, just no, stop. Don't don't do <laughs> the accent. No, nah, it's, it's like I've never heard of it actually. 
The Piper's just made it all up. <laughs> I like that every time he does an accent, it sounds slightly German. Yeah. Uh, well, he watched a lot of Monty yeah. Python. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then and well, then the interview goes. I mean, Warwickshire, Warwickshire is reputed to be a, a, a great center of witchcraft and, and sorcery. Have you ever met a witch? And she says. No, never heard of it, actually. <laughs> she, she's, like, she, she's like, this is all rubbish. <laughs> Joe and I had the best conversation on the phone the other day about the fact that this is obviously one of those things that the guys from Monty Python learned to parody. Oh, yeah. Because, you because it is so absurdly funny when yeah, you watch it. It's unintentionally kind of funny. And, uh, yeah, obviously these guys were kind of an inspiration for the Python guys, mm, I, I think. I'm sure. I, I really yeah. do. And, but yeah, yeah. But Edie was great. She's just like, oh, don't know anything about that actually. All right, some more theories. Uh, um, there was, of course, the Italians. Uh, they were. No. Yeah, I know. No. I know. They did catch one Italian in a, with some blood in his hands, but it turned out that he had been he had just gotten out so he could go hunt rabbits to mm-hmm. supplement his diet. Yeah. Which, again, kind of makes sense makes because sense. Mm-hmm. again, wartime rationing. Yeah. You can't really blame him for that. Mm-hmm. As the token Italian on this podcast, mm-hmm. I think Italians didn't do it. You think so? Okay, yep. I'll buy that. No, there was no reason for him. Again, these guys had a sweet deal going on. Yep. You know, I mean, there was no reason to go out and murder Granted, this guy. the weather in England is not nearly as nice as it is, is in Italy, but no, hey, not. you're Some not parts. fighting. Some parts of Italy yeah. are kind of gross. I got to say, I, one, one nice thing I like about Britain over Italy is they have, <clears throat> number one, no volcanoes. Number two, no massive earthquakes. Okay, but other than that, Italy's got a lot going for it. Uh, back to our theories. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is a, another theory that was uh, considered but kind of dismissed by the police, but apparently Charlie had a friend named George Higgins. They'd known each other for many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, they hadn't talked for a few months, but you know they were well acquainted, and uh, Higgins was actually working quite close by, like in a barn, like maybe 300 yards from the murder scene. And obviously, in a murder, you obviously you really want to look at family and acquaintances first, right? Right. So Higgins was, you know, given the given a little bit of scrutiny, but and maybe he did it. I don't know, but nobody, the police really couldn't find any motive. I mean, they seemed to be friends. How far away was he supposedly? Supposedly, working? like three hundred yards away, or, or or right around. Oh, yeah, like clo- right there. He was close by. He would yeah. have maybe heard something. Uh, you know, three hundred yards is still a ways. I mean, it's, it's just three football fields. Yeah, that's, that's so not helpful to me. You should know that by now. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> no, I know it's it's not close. Three city blocks. Yeah, but ish. that's not if somebody's getting murdered three city blocks away in the outdoors. Mm. You think you might hear something? Well, you know, but think about it. They're is, both is... old men. But there's a fight, right? I mean, With there were hearing. defensive wounds, so there was a fight. I don't yeah, know. there was a, no, there was a fight. There must have been some noise. I'm just uh, trying to play devil's advocate right I, now. I appreciate I that, but it, you know, you don't know. I mean, besides the distance, you don't know what the terrain was like. They might have yeah. been over a hill. There might have been all kinds of hedges in between. He could have been listening to our podcast. He could have been know. listening to a podcast because he was a time uh, traveler. Yep. Exactly. Uh, and of course, you're on a farm, so if you hear a scream, you might just think it's an animal. Yeah, you know? I mean, slaughter so. a pig. Yeah, so he probably thought nothing of it. Or, you know, he heard a few screams and just thought, well, I don't want to get involved. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, did not yeah. knowing it was his well, buddy. Yeah, you make a great point. Farm animals are amazingly noisy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. They make a lot of noise. Oh, yeah. And so somebody mur- getting murdered, I don't know, not necessarily going to stand out. Uh, okay, so so much for George Higgins. I don't. Uh, the police dismissed him pretty quickly, just like the Italians. And uh, of course, there was his niece 
Edie, I mean, she could have, she would have stood to inherit uh, maybe 11 pounds, so she had a big motive. Yeah, uh, huge yeah. motive. Apparently, yeah, I know. Charlie uh, apparently did have the habit uh, of leaving the toilet seat up. Oh, stop it. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> well, to be fair, I mean, 11 pounds in 1945 was 440 pounds, like, today, uh-huh. which is, like, you know, $450, which... People have been killed for less, sadly. I think they yeah, have. It's true. It's and true. I think the exchange rate actually was more favorable back in the day. So dollar-wise, it might have been worth more. Oh, to the U.S. dollar? Yeah. 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 Uh, if she had then left the country, which she did not do. Yeah. Well, the other reasons not to think about it, not to think Edie did it. Um, again, you know, you want to look at the family and acquaintances and friends. So she merits a look. Uh, the, the, but I think the murder was probably a man, especially... The pitchfork. I mean, the pitch, the pitchfork was driven into the ground so hard, apparently it took two policemen to pull it out of the ground. So I was going to uh, ask you about that, because yeah. when when I was doing the reading and I saw this stuff about the pitchfork, what I couldn't understand was, was it that the sheer act of pulling the pitchfork out of the ground, you know, the, the tines out of the ground took two men... Or had it been jammed so far into the ground and then at such a strange, funky angle to wedge it under the hedge uh-huh. that it took two people? Do, do you see where I'm it getting It might have here? taken two guys to get it untangled from the hedge or something. Yeah, I, it, that's... It's hard to see, especially... Well, oh, sorry. well, if the ground was soft and wet, yeah. which I assume it was, it's hard to imagine it being that I was going to say, if the ground was wet and soft when it happened... I mean, it, there's a couple hours elapsed... Uh-huh. And it's February. So like in Portland, for instance, right? If something happens midday, heat of the day in February, and then f- temperatures drop down to freezing, it's possible it could have been shoved in the ground when it was kind of wet and soggy and mm. then subsequently froze and well, the ground maybe. hardened yeah. around it. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of questions about this. I mean, I, I don't disagree that it was done with some extreme force. Yeah, so probably and- a guy. It also, I think he was probably strong enough that he could have defended himself against his niece. Uh, probably. Well, and also, I, I also don't see that she had any motive because literally yeah. he had raised her. Now, not well, that patricide that, doesn't happen. Uh, mm-hmm. But also, there is the whole question of well, I think she was at her job at that yeah, time. Yeah, she was working. So. She was at her job, and then also, you know, having dual income in that time is better than having single income. A so, lot better. You know, and killing off somebody who's bringing income into the house, maybe not. Below. Not a smart move, you know, and also. She there was just there were better ways for her to do it that were less suspicious. I mean, yeah. she could have she could have like spiked his tea and sedated him and then smothered him with a pillow. Yeah, he yeah. was seventy four freaking years outhouse. old. Yeah, and nobody if he'd just woken mm-hmm. up dead in his bed. If nobody he had just have woken up anything. dead in his bed, exactly. She had woken up to find him dead. Well, that in his too bed is that what too. Joe meant to yes. say. Oh, uh, top of the morning to him, feeling kind of dead. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> um, but anyway, she had better ways. So I'm, I'm going to rule Edie out if that's okay with you. I guys. would, I too, agree. yeah. Yeah. Uh, next uh, local person was the favorite suspect, uh, Alfred J. Potter, the guy who owned the farm. Yeah. Uh, was actually scrutinized quite extensively by Scotland Yard. Happened on his land. And there were some, some things about him, like the local constable that, that came to the crime scene initially before the Stratford police arrived, uh, said that uh, Potter seemed nervous and kind of upset and complained about being cold. And uh, he also wanted to get out of there. As soon as the Stratford police showed up, he left. 
And and the constable thought that was kind of odd. Uh, so the constable thought that was odd because he shouldn't have been squeamish around death because he worked on a farm. Exactly. So he sees animals getting killed all the time. But that doesn't mean... I that's, mean that's a little different from a human being getting murdered, It right? is, but it also, I guess, correct me if I'm wrong, but is... Was the furs an animal farm? Uh, that's a good question. I just, you know, I, I think they were. I, I heard talk about him having to deal with, with heifers and stuff like that. So I know they had at least some cattle. Mm-hmm. But um, were they yeah. slaughtered regularly for food? And mm-hmm. and what's to say he didn't contract that work out? Well, there's all kinds of stuff that you do on farms, like castrating animals and all kinds of good, fun mm-hmm. stuff. That's oh, Veterinary oh. duties happen. But that's different than yeah. doing it to a human. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So, oh yeah, very much so. You can be kind of an ear to the whole thing, but not only was it Charlie a human being, but he was somebody that uh, Potter had known for like five years. Yeah. So obviously, finding him brutally murdered. Yeah, that wouldn't might be have been a big shock. Or yeah, maybe he might have a really good reason for being uncomfortable at the scene. Yeah, that uh-huh. was totally normal. Uh, yeah, pretty much. So I, you know, I'm gonna say I'm not gonna get. I'm gonna say that doesn't really mean much. Uh, and of course, there was a the whole time that he saw Charlie in the fields, which which changed like several times. Uh, mm-hmm. At first, he came out of the local pub about uh, he said around noon time. And was walking through the village, and he said he looked up on Mayon Hill and saw Charlie about 500 yards or so away, working on the hedge. Uh, he said the time was 12.10. Later, he changed that time to 12.15. Later on, changed it to 12.20. And then when they had the inquest hearing, he, he said at that time that he saw Charlie up, about, up on Mayon Hill at about 12.30, and that he was standing there in shirt sleeves and not actually doing anything at the, at the moment just standing there so maybe he saw charlie maybe he saw the murderer May, i guess or, we've talked about this before though i mean people's sense of time is so fickle oh yeah and changes especially as you're trying to remember and if he had been drinking a little bit i mean it's yep. possible so that they'd it, had lunch he wasn't at the pub because he was boozing it up he was he had met a friend yeah. after doing something that morning that i cannot I, recall i i heard that he and had a couple they, of guinnesses but though, they, yeah and then lunch. they but they went there and they had lunch yeah. and a couple of drinks and a couple of drinks but i'm sorry but if i sit down at lunch and i have two beers with my lunch my faculties are in place. I'm not yeah. saying that his faculties are not in place. I'm just saying that, like, even me, totally sober, can think about how long something took, you know, a day or two ago and say, I, I think it took a half hour when in reality oh, yeah. it took me 10 minutes. No, no, I'm, I'm just saying that I don't think that he was in an, he was sauced in any No, way. no, I'm not saying no. that. I okay. just think it could have affected his sense of time. Oh, yeah. Got it, yeah. For okay. sure, and I, I don't know if the, the, if the custom in the pubs in Britain is to have bar time like we have here in America, where you set your clocks ahead. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if they do that too. So that could screw, I don't know that could or behind timekeeping. Yeah, yeah, that that can totally screw you up. Uh, there was another interesting point, which is that several days after the murder, uh, police said that they were going to fingerprint the weapons and see if they could ID the killer from that. And that's when Potter said, oh, by the way, I should probably mention to you that I, t- I touched the murder weapons. I touched both the pitchfork, you know, and the slash hook, uh, just so you know. And the police are like, why did you do that? And, and, and Potter says, well, Harry Beasley, remember Harry Beasley went up there with Edie and Potter mm-hmm. and found the body. He said, well, Harry Beasley said that I should check the body and make sure he's not, not still alive. So I got quite, kind of close to him and 
I think I t- I'm pretty sure I touched the murder weapons. So uh, when police asked Harry Beasley about this, Beasley said, uh, "No, I said no such thing to him." And Beasley also said he doesn't re- didn't recall seeing Potter touch the weapons at all. In Potter's defense, though, uh, Beasley and um, Edie left the scene to go a yeah. drop her back at the house and and get her settled and then go get the the constable mm-hmm. so you know potter's just hanging out there by himself yeah so it so... could have possibly happened it could have been a passing you know oh yeah even just so much as a sarcastic comment you should probably check to make sure he's alive uh-huh yeah that might as your as your partner you might want to say something like that yeah sure and so it's entirely possible he did touch them in all innocence that obviously raised some suspicions with the police, the fact that he waited several days. Although, again, you know, the fact that he waited and then said, oh, by the way, you know, after the police said, we're going to fingerprint mm-hmm. the weapons. Oh, by the way, I touched them. And by the way, they found no fingerprints on the weapons, well, which is strange because at least Charlie should have been on there. But yeah. you know, maybe the killer wiped him off. I don't know. But again, that's also something you can kind of forget, too. Yeah. You know, stressful moment and all that. And suddenly... You know, and, and it doesn't strike you as important that you touch those things. Yeah. And then when you hear about the fingerprint, it's like, oh, you know, I should probably let you guys know that I touched these things. So, yeah. And the only other thing about that was even suspicious about Potter is apparently he'd been skimming. He had. He had been skimming, yeah. He'd been uh, uh, apparently over-reporting the time that his laborers, including Charlie, were putting it on the farm mm. and, and, and then pocketing the difference. Uh, Which is not was not an uncommon practice. No, not really. Managers to this day do that crap. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, and that's certainly not a motive for murder. Even if Charlie had found out, Charlie might have been like, eh, you know, that's what I would expect. Or, you know, I mean, certainly Charlie's not going to go, oh, I'm going to rat you out and and you're going to have to pay your dad back the, the sum of, like, you know, 20 pounds, you know, and then he's going to get murdered over that. I can't quite see that. And how the hell did Charlie find out who told him and why did he not tell the police? Right. Yeah. Yeah, how did Charlie get a hold of the books is what I want to know. Yeah. Uh, oh, and there, there was another last piece of potentially incriminating information, which apparently Potter's trousers had some marks on the front of them, which appeared to be blood. Um, Didn't he explain that away because he had to go get a heifer out of a ditch? Uh, well, the thing about it is, is um, he worked on a farm. I mean, you're gonna get dirt, blood, and all kinds of stuff yeah, on you. That's what I mean. Yeah. So I mean, Potter was uh, Potter was, I think, definitely a strong suspect. Well, not that strong. He, he was, was a, a suspect. He Stronger was, than any we've said so far. He was the strongest suspect, yeah. but still not much of a suspect, really, yeah. frankly. Uh, they'd still never found a real motive. And, you know... It also seems like with the kind of damage that was done, you would expect more than just a few flecks of blood on the front of your pants. Uh, that's true. If you slice a guy's throat open with a bill hook, there's going to be there's blood everywhere. There's way more blood. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. So that that's that's a good point. And yeah. Obviously, if he did, if he did do it, he would have run home and changed. But then, you know, if he had marks on his pants, it's because of something else that he did in the farm. Yeah. So yeah, I'm just not seeing it with Potter. I just don't think it was him. So that leads to our next theory, which is maybe it was a serial killer. A ran- maybe it was just a kind of a random thing. Uh, it ter- as it turns out, in England in 1945, there were actually a lot of people out wandering the countryside because. People in some of the cities had actually been bombed out. They'd lost their homes. They were kind of refugees within England. Uh, other people decided to get the hell out of the cities just for safety's sake mm-hmm. because they were catching some bombs uh, from the Germans. And so 
there were actually there was a lot more mobility in England at this time than there normally was. So there were there were people out in the countryside wandering around. Very easy for uh, some ne'er-do-well from London to pop into some little village or another and just murder somebody. Yeah, it's yeah. but it it was a pretty stylized murder. Yeah, it really was. And if um oh, what was his name? The investigator? Uh Fabian. Yeah, Fabian. Fabian, if he was able to dig up something that happened over a hundred years ago that was quote unquote identical, mm-hmm. it seems he would have been able to find if some other Somebody brought that to yeah. him. Somebody yeah, he didn't dig it up. Somebody brought the hun- the seventy year old murder. Sure, but there was enough murder. stuff around this that I don't know. Oh, it yeah, just seems way. like. Oh, I forgot to mention that 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 murder from 1885. Mm-hmm. Um, it turns out that was a little bit exaggerated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it turns out that James Haywood, the murderer, actually just attacked her with a pitchfork and not didn't pin her to the ground. He just stabbed her, you know. With, and with she didn't die right away. No, mm-hmm. no, she was taken off to I think her daughter's home, and she eventually died later, the, later that, that day. Yeah, late in the she, evening. She did die from the wound. Oh yeah, yeah, she definitely died. Uh, he was tried for it, but he wasn't hanged, as the story says. He went to the sanitarium. Yeah, he was he was declared not guilty because of insanity, and he spent the rest of his life in an insane asylum where he died. And uh, so that story was not quite correct. Um, and there was also some allegations that potentially Anna Tennant was related to Charlie. Oh, Although, again, it's a this pretty... This is such a reach. Well, it's a tenuous connection, and again, it doesn't really mean much. I mean, in rural England, and, and, and again, in probably a lot of other places, too, where you, people are living in these little villages and farms, probably a lot of those people are related in some tenuous way or another, second, mm-hmm. third cousins. I mean, probably all yeah. over the place. So. It doesn't mean squat, really. Well, back to our serial killer, I guess I guess there's not much to say about that, except that, you know, if he went around and murdered a few people here here and there, and if he varied his M.O. a little bit, one of the things you got to remember about, about Charlie is that he was 74 years old. He'd been working outside his entire life. He probably looked older than he was from just all that exposure. Easy target, you mean? Yeah, and so you see this guy, you know, walking with a cane and everything, you know, hobbling around, about to work on the, the hedge, and, he, and you're thinking, easy pickings. And just then, walk over and shove him down. I know, and it turns out that the, it turns out the old guy is a lot stronger than he actually looks. He puts up a fight, in which case, you know, you start, you start using all the weapons at your disposal, and so maybe it turned into sort of a bigger brouhaha than you actually intended it to. So I... I, I, there's another theory on here that I think is more appropriate for this, but calling it a serial killer, uh-huh. I think is is an incorrect naming for this entire scenario that we've just talked about. Yeah. I mean, this could be just a random attack. Mm-hmm. That's not a serial killer scenario to me. Yeah, yeah I agree um, with that. I, so I, I, I'm careful to throw. I just, I don't want to throw serial killer on everything. No, exactly. I mean, it, granted, it, that gets us higher rankings in iTunes, but it's yeah. not the truth. <laughs> yeah. No, no, not, not at all. Uh, okay, the theory you're thinking about, I think, is the the one labeled "thrill kill" by local high school kids. No, that actually. Oh, it's not was. that one. Oh, that one's a good bad. one, though. Let's I, talk about that one. I like that one. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, well, that's the entire theory right there. I know. That kind of is, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Well, you've heard all the evidence. I like it. But, you know, <laughs> it's that's good evidence. It. Yeah. And you made it up. That's why you like it. They yeah. made a movie about this. I know what you did last Valentine's Day. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. 
Okay, well, let's move on to our next theory, which is actually kind of similar to the serial killer, which is a robbery gone wrong. Which it's is essentially a, identical. Well, again, if you're one of these guys and you're and you're on the road, you're kind of homeless. You've been made into a refugee and stuff. I mean, it might have it might have occurred to you to do a little robbery. Uh, the way you'd pick Charlie, I don't know. He didn't exactly look like a wealthy guy, but at yeah. the same time, he looked like he might have looked like really easy pickings. Uh, so the only thing that I can think about to make this or not the high school kids, but the random killer bit work is Charlie was known to take his lunch with him. Mm. And so if you are walking on the road or you're walking through the area and you're hungry and you see a guy with a sandwich and he's got it and an apple and you say, I'm sorry, I'm really, really hungry. Could I have an apple, please? And he cusses you out for asking for an apple because you and every other Tom, Dick and Harry are coming through here and asking me my food. Stop it. And somebody loses their mind over that. Uh-huh. I mean, that that's that's the best motive I can come up for with this. The random attack scenario that we're I talking still, about i don't know he because money guess, he doesn't look rich he doesn't look rich but he also mm-hmm. seems like the kind of guy who totally would give you an apple if you were walking past he probably i at the, at the very least would have been polite about it although you never know his fly was undone he might have he might have said oh you want the sandwich that bad well oh, was... <laughs> <laughs> oh no wow that took you down a different alley yeah okay. no no i'm kidding but yeah, again, um, it could have been, like you say, sort of a, a random sort of race thing. Somebody wanted to rob him, and then it turns out, like I said in the previous series, that they bit off more than they thought they were going to be biting off, and and they had to, you know, basically really do a lot to subdue Charlie. And in the end, they wound up going a little overboard because by this time, especially if you're just kind of a, have a punk mentality, you're thinking, oh, this old guy should have been a pushover. Now I'm angry. You know, and then you you go after him with great guns. And, I guess on the other and, hand, you know, he bought this watch used. It wasn't some family heir, and that was the only thing that was really missing from him, right? Yeah, and it, it might not have it might not have been taken from him. Maybe he didn't have it on him. Yeah, I mean, or he did have it on him, and you know, when somebody says, "All right, old man, give me your watch," like, mm-hmm. you know, are you really gonna? F- I I I don't know. I might mean obviously because. He's been dead for longer than I've been alive. But I, you know, I guess in my mind, I kind of think like, really, you're going to, you're going to fight somebody over a crappy little watch. I mean, okay, but I don't know, maybe. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Charlie might have just like, uh, you know, especially from that older generation. I mean, people might have been more inclined to look at things in moral terms. And they're thinking, this guy wants to rob me, you know, I'm not going to permit it just on general principles. Yeah. Screw him, yeah, you know. That's that, true. It could have been the stiff that. upper lip and all that. Uh-huh. And, you know, Charlie might have felt like actually he was, you know, well-armed and, you know, maybe he had one of his weapons on him. He but, knew how to use the, what was it? It wasn't called the bill hook. His yeah, the, was sla- called, the, slash the slash hook. hook. Yeah. He was obviously a rather handy with a slash hook. Yeah. And yeah. probably could, would have felt like he could defend himself. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. but apparently not uh, quite capable enough, yeah. uh, unfortunately mm-hmm. for him. Uh, so on to our next theory. I mean, the robbery gone wrong is also is really a possibility, I think. But, you know, who knows? Again, uh, sad to tell you, we haven't reached quite the end here. This one is probably not going to get solved, not for the next 30 seconds at least, uh, until we solve it. Uh, okay, I'm going to name the killer. Jack the Ripper. <laughs> Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Well, Jack would have been probably at least seventy-five in this time because his last murder was in eighteen eighty-eight. Correct. 
I think that sounds right. Yeah, it's been so long since I've looked at his dates. Yeah, I think it was 1888. We'll just say right in that ballpark. Yeah, so let's say Jack started young and he was 18. Okay, he would have been born in 1870, same year as Charlie. And maybe he just wanted... So it's two old codgers fighting in the field. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's why. That's that. why Jack. Waited. Wait, was the, was the wound from from left to right or from right to left? Be- uh-huh. yeah, I no, I'm know. sorry. This this is fun, but that's, no, it's a good one. No. But yeah, Mm-mm. yeah, I know. Mm-mm. Well, there's also, of course, the Zodiac Killer. Let's not definitely leave not. Yeah. Ted no, that's yeah. definitely not it. Yeah. So let's see what we're gonna like. Hang on a second here. I am gonna go for this one. Uh, I think that uh, it was a random killing. I don't think anybody in the village really had an incentive to kill him. I don't think anybody had an incentive to kill him in such a huge, horrible way. I mean, if, if somebody, if, if I wanted to kill Charlie and I lived in that, what I would do is I would bash him over the head with a rock and leave his body lying near a rock on the ground, so it maybe looked like possibly he just tripped and fell and bashed his head. I mean, you don't do something super spectacular in a tiny village. And yeah. then try to make it... I mean, yeah. yeah. Is this a Mr. Bean scenario where he, yeah. he trips on a rock and the, the pitchfork goes flying and the, the flash hook hits him and bounces off and then he yeah. gets knocked in the head and then he falls? And, yeah, I mean... Yeah, I don't think... No, so I no. Just, I just think that uh, it was it was not somebody from the village. I just, I just really find it hard to believe somebody from the village would have done that. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just thinking some random... Some random thrill kill murder perhaps uh, that that seems like the most likely i mean it, it could i think that the whole witchcraft angle is hooey oh yeah but i also think that there is the possibility that somebody in the village knew something or was responsible that's mm. really small chance but i i can't i can't rule that out entirely yeah it could have it could have been i mean actually you know there could have been one person in the village who was a murderer yeah, that could have been possible. I mean, yeah. yeah, he could have he could have been a dirty old man for all we know, and he was pinching some girl's fanny every time he saw her, and her dad or her brother had enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, that happens. That used to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you you defended her honor by taking the guy's head. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, well, yeah. But I think it was random too. Yeah, yeah, most likely. But uh, we I don't think we'll ever know. Um, Okay, so that's it for this this episode. Uh, so a few administrative details here. Number one, you probably want to know how to get a hold of us. Uh, you can get a hold of us through our email, which is thinkingsidewayspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we also have one of these website thingy-bobbers. Uh, it is called thinkingsidewayspodcast.com, where you can download our episodes or listen to them. Uh, and we'll have links up there. We're definitely going to have some cool links for you, like that BBC interview that we found so Oh, funny. yeah. Um, and, of course, it definitely can, has to be on there. Oh, yeah. You can also find us in other places, like, of course, good old iTunes, uh, where you can subscribe. You can rate us and review us. Give us a good rating. We like those better. Well, And that'll make us like you better. So <laughs> it's a win all the way around. Uh, and, of course, you can stream us, uh, like, Google Play and lots and lots of other places. We are also part of this whole social media thing you've probably heard so much about. Uh, there's the Facebook, where we have a group and a page. Mm-hmm. So join the group. Like the page. Don't try to friend us, but just join the group. There's lots of fun discussions going on out there. Uh, we are also on the Twitter, uh, where we are thinking sideways. And we have a subreddit, Thinking Sideways. And what else? Uh, there's merchandise. If you're really interested, you can get shirts, mugs, stickers. Uh, there are Zazzle and Redbubble stores that are linked in our on the right-hand panel of our website. And that's about it. Um, 
So, until next week and our next fantastic mystery, I'm signing off. This is Jose. Toodaloo. Uh, bye. So, I have this hedge that needs trimming. Can you guys come take a look at it? I got this really Uh, cool. That's kind of Devin's specialty. No. Okay, fine. Bye, Um. guys.